welcome to our live cast. I have a live discussion with the members of Deliver Fund. And I'm very excited for the show tonight. We need to raise awareness. We need to start somewhere. And we're going to do that right now. So tonight, I'm going to welcome Sandy Storm. She's a general advisor for Deliver Fund. Sandy Storm is an author, speaker, and abolitionist, currently serving as general advisor to Deliver Fund. Herself, a child sex trafficking survivor, Sandy has served on coalitions, task forces, and multidisciplinary teams addressing human trafficking since 2009. She is a trusted advisor and trainer for law enforcement, medical, and education professionals, service providers, and concerned citizens, addressing groups ranging in size from five to over 5,000. Sandy is also a published author, having written a trilogy about her experience with child abuse, human trafficking, and the industry of commercial sexual exploitation. Her books are available in a Deliver Fun online store. Shane Erickson is a senior targeting analyst with Deliver Fund. Shane served the Whitefish Police Department for 11 years as a detective, fighting crime proactively with Deliver Fund rather than reactively. Is redemptive for Shane after losing his best friend to crime when he was just nine years old. His ability to use Deliver Fund's tools to track human traffickers, create actual intelligence reports, and work closely with law enforcement across the country to close cases makes him an essential member of the analyst team. Let me welcome them to the show. Hey, welcome. Hi, Jason. So great Thank to you for having you. us. Thank you both for joining me. I like the uh, I like the backgrounds. We're not on Zoom, everybody, so uh, <laughs> it's a little bit different. One thing I want to do is I want to shine a light on what is going on domestically. A lot of times what we do is we hear a lot about, you know, the, the old adage of people coming across, they're stuck in uh, cargo containers, they're from Slavic nations, and they end up in brothels or on the streets as prostitutes. But what we're looking at today is the reality of what's going on in the United States within our own borders, i.e. what is happening to our children. So that is why we're here today. So welcome. So Sandy, Thank you. You, you grew up in this world as a victim and now as a survivor and as a strong advocate. Can you shine a little light on your background for the audience? Yeah. Um, and thank you, Jason, for having us on the show. Thank you for giving a platform to deliver fun, to share the solution and um, to help solve human trafficking. Right. So um, my story, while it is very dark, sad and depressing, there is hope. Right. I'm here today. I'm with you. And I am now I'm actually the director of strategic impact at Deliver Fund. So I've gotten a little bit of a promotion since um, that bio was written for you, Jason. And um, I, I have to start with the story of hope because um, it is very dark when I start to unpack the truth of my childhood, my teenage years, my early adulthood. Um, human trafficking affected my life in a very negative way. Starting at age six years old, I became what basically would be considered a sex slave to a, a group of pedophiles, uh, very wealthy, very well-connected men that were in country clubs and yacht clubs and in positions of government leadership, business leadership in the community. Um, so from six years old throughout my uh, almost into teenage years, that was my everyday life was being a part of that, um, basically a sex ring for pedophiles. Uh, as a teenager, I was a completely broken a young woman with no self-esteem and no understanding of what healthy relationships were. So all of my boyfriends were traffickers. I, I wouldn't have known that at the time, but when I can look back and, and consider what those relationships really were made of, um, it's, it's pretty easy to see now that I know what human trafficking is. Um, in my early adult years, after the damage that was done as a child, after the damage that was done through um, my teenage years, in early adulthood, I really thought I was going to take control and I was going to be in charge of my life and I was going to take the money from the men and go work in the industry uh, in strip clubs. And I learned very quickly that human trafficking happens in strip clubs. Um, and it drove me to the streets. It drove me into desperation, uh, drug addiction. 
and street trafficking, which is maybe what people more traditionally think of as human trafficking in the United States. Um, so it's affected my life personally in a lot of different ways, in a lot of different areas. And unfortunately, that's a common story for a lot of survivors. Um, there are a lot of vulnerabilities that are created through uh, the adverse childhood experiences and the other situations that I was faced with. Um, so by the time I was in my early to mid-20s and I'm on the streets being trafficked by pimps, um, and I barely escaped alive from that those situations. Um, once I learned what human trafficking was, many years later in the future, um, and I was able to look back at the steps of my life, I could see where this was trafficking, this was trafficking, this was trafficking. And I knew I had to do something to stop that from negatively affecting more people and from negative negatively impacting the world. That's why I'm here at Deliver Fun today, working with people like Shane to really make a difference and to really deliver hope and to deliver action to this problem. That is absolutely what we need to hear, that there is hope. There, you can go from the victim, you can become a survivor. Now, before yeah. we get more in-depth, I do want to tell the audience out there that this is a sensitive subject. We are going to be talking about children. We're going to be talking about teens. And we're going to be talking about abuse, including sexual abuse. So just so you know out there, if you have young children and stuff, this is a conversation you want to have with them, but you might, have, might want to wait to the perfect time. Or actually, I shouldn't say the perfect time, but the right time. Now, Shane, you have a backstory that is, you know, you've been on a, the Protectors podcast before, and we talk about your your journey into working with the Liver Fund, into, you know, your first experience with encountering a trafficked victim and, and child exploitation, a child being abused. Can you go a little bit into your background and, and tell the audience about that? Sure. So really the passion started for me at a very uh, early age. Um, I believe I was nine, eight, nine years old. And my best friend at the time um, was abducted, sexually assaulted, and, and then ultimately killed by a repeat sex offender who had served prison time. And when he got out, had said that he was going to do this again, but he was going to ultimately kill um, his next victim. And, and that that's ultimately what happened. Um, his My buddy's name was Ryan Van Lucien. His uh, brother, Derek Van Lucien, started a nonprofit uh, called Ryan United. And they go out and um, train law enforcement on child abduction response and what the what the proper protocol should be for that. Because back in that time, in, in 1987, there really a child went missing and there was, you know, people kind of start looking a little bit, but there was not the response uh, from law enforcement that that there should be and that we have today. So ultimately, that is where. You know, my background, my story, my passion comes from is that uh, horrific incident from my past. You're muted, Jason. Yeah, a professional here, professional, buddy. But when we were, when we had our discussion during the Protectors podcast, you talked about being reactive in the police world that you're encountering. Uh, encountering these children and there's really nothing you could do about being proactive and stopping it before it happens. The other thing is Sandy, you have a, an incredible background with it and you are coming from the victim standpoint. You know what it's like to be trafficked. Now, one question I always get from parents and from concerned adults and concerned anybody is what signs should we look for? I mean, when it comes to your children, um, so if, if I'm being asked that question, I'll answer uh, if that's okay, Shane. So yes, that is a very common question, Jason, that parents always want to know how to protect their kids. Of course, that's that's your main job when you have kids, right, is to keep them safe, not just so they can arrive at adulthood, but so that they can live healthy and productive lives. So um, I think it's important for parents to, to realize that a trafficker is going to look for any vulnerability they can and then exploit that. So 
It might be a broken home. There might be a child that's seeking for that father figure because there was a split in the marriage or or they just don't have the the father figure in the house to to help to you know add that to their parenting. They um they might have some low self-esteem that a trafficker can very easily exploit by saying something um, to enhance their self-esteem, that they're attractive or that they're desirable in some way. And that trafficker might look for that gap to um, to start to groom that child. They might look for a child who's in poverty, a child who's experimenting with drugs, a child who's already sexually active. And youth itself can be a vulnerability. So I think it's important for parents to know there, um, unfortunately, there is no one thing to look for and there is no checklist that I can give you. But being involved in your children's lives and having these difficult conversations, like Jason said, at the right time um, is a good step in the right direction. It's not so much what you can look for or how you can um, prevent the vulnerabilities, but how you can equip your children to respond if a trafficker or if somebody is trying to approach them online or at the mall or or anywhere and create the space where they could be the trusted person and they could be the person that that child is going to rely on. Instead, we want the parent to keep that space. We want the parent to be the, the, the source of um, comfort and inspiration and hope for the child. And that comes through those healthy conversations, those healthy relationships that get built through having those crucial talks and asking the difficult questions and then just showing the kids that you can talk to me about these issues. You can trust me to talk to me about these issues. I'm a safe person in your life because the number one thing that the trafficker is going to do is try to separate them from the safe people in their lives. So that's the number one way that you can keep your kids safe is by being their safe adult. And it's not just your kids. If you, you know, not everybody comes from a perfect home. I mean, not everybody has open communication with their children. A lot of people, you know, out there working two, three jobs, they don't have that open communication. Uh, but if you are an adult and you do recognize that someone might be kind of on that edge, uh, you might want to kind of intercede because that's how you help before they become the victim. And raising awareness to your children. I, I mentioned before that this is a sensitive topic, but it's one that needs to be talked about because you talk about online exploitation. And that is like, you know, before, you know, before the, the on of the on slave of the internet over the past 20 years, there really wasn't a way that such easy access for these predators to our children. You know, a lot of people bring up, you know, when, when my parents would go to work or anything, they would lock the front door. That front door is now wide open in the internet. So one thing I do want to talk about is tonight is how we can monitor our online activity and how we can kind of keep track of what's going on with the children's online activity without being that overbearing helicopter parent. Because that's the other thing is you don't want to put a wall up by your children saying, hey, you know what? Give me your phone. What's going on over there? You know, but I think I think uh, with that, Jason, that you have to be a helicopter parent in, 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 in relatively speaking. Right. You have to be involved in what your child is, what games they're what games they're downloaded, you know, what apps they have on their phone, who their friends are. That is the parent's responsibility to get into that child's phone and monitor that. There are, um, you know, software that you can install on your child's phone to alert you when, you know, certain keywords are mentioned or, or things along those lines. But, you know, being that proactive parent and being involved in your child's life from every step um, is very important. And I guarantee you that if you're not having those conversations, you're not speaking with your children, the, the, the bad people are. And they're telling them what they want them to hear. So they need to hear that. They need to have that confidence that they can come to you and ask any question um, that they may, that they see fit. And having those age-appropriate conversations about human trafficking, you know, about how these, these traffickers go about their business is very vital. You know, I'm glad you brought up bad people because the bubbles, 
a lot of people live in bubbles. We had 320 million or so people within the United States, and a lot of them live in a bubble. A bubble. Uh, my neighborhood, I always get a ping on my Ring app or whatever saying sex offender moving in nearby, and it's like five miles away. But the thing is, it's still a bubble. I go to work, I come home. I go to work, I come home. A lot of us are in this little bubble not thinking it's going to happen to us. You brought up bad people, and that's why I keep saying bad people. There are a truly evil people out there. And I want people to understand that. Um, some of the statistics you have uh, up on a website, uh, and we know statistics you really can't measure when it comes to sexual trafficking, is that you know every – what's it? I wrote it down. It was – Every traffic child is purchased for sex 5.4 times a day. And there are 100 to 150,000 victims held as commercial sex slaves in the U.S. Now, think about that number. I know those are probably really low numbers. Mm -hmm. Now, these are adult, primarily males, having sex with children. So I, I want to – this isn't pro, this isn't legalized prostitution. This isn't – they're doing it. These are – children getting sexually assaulted like sex people in and out all day every day upwards of you know if it's 5.4 times a day think about that 35 40 times a week there are no breaks they are slaves and when people bring up modern day slavery this is exactly what it is they are producing a profit for an evil person out there the people victimizing these children are evil it's a network of true evil, bad people. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about some of the people you've encountered. And Sandy, I'd like to talk about how you, the type of people that encount, you encountered. Because are, are these like normal men? or What type of people are, are purchasing children for sex? I shouldn't say normal men because there's nothing normal about it. There is nothing normal about it. And I have an amazing therapist and she has been so helpful to my life and my, my pathway to healing. And she says sometimes, well, that's a normal way to see the world, but you had a childhood that was anything but normal. Is that fair? And I did have a childhood that was anything but normal where I wouldn't be able to take my watch and say, okay, it's been an hour and there's been five and a half men that have come through that door. Like that wasn't the way that trafficking was happening to me as a child, but it was more that men in positions of influence knew that the man that had control of my life had a young girl that was trained. And a lot of the training had happened through pornography and that's why I'm such an advocate to change our society to stop consuming pornography because it's a very damaging tool. It's a very damaging thing that can be used not only to train children, but it's damaging for the people participating as well and the people that are consuming it as well. So that was used to train me to act the way that the, the other men that um, were in those positions of power. And then as a teenager and a young adult, um, some of the sometimes trafficking would look like um, my so-called boyfriend and I were getting high and partying and, and hanging out and we ran out of drugs or we ran out of money. But I was an easy way to, to solve that problem. I was already trained in how to get the money. I was already trained in how to get the drugs. So it might not have been five and a half men within an hour. But over, over time, my interaction with other people um, would be out of my control, right? Somebody else is making those choices and decisions for me. When I was being trafficked on the street, and it, it was more of, of what pimping looks like in, in the United States, there are quotas. There are time limits and quotas, and those people, those evil people, run that like a business. And I had male traffickers and I even had female traffickers. So we can't say evil men. These are evil people. There is no stereo stereotypical um, description of a trafficker, except for they are enterprising, business-minded individuals who have conceived in their minds a way to make money from somebody else being exploited whether that's in my case with sexual exploitation 
or in labor trafficking, if it's exploitation of labor for the trafficker to keep the proceeds and the victim is doing the work. So the work I was doing when I was trafficked as a sex slave might not have been every like every hour, five different customers, I guess you could say, or buyers, but um, the, the damage was still there. And, and as it's an illicit crime, it's so hard to put those accurate statistics to. Um, what I can say is this, though, Jason, is um, sometimes the buyers are also traffickers. They might not realize it. Sometimes drug dealers are also traffickers. They might not realize it. But when they give their customers enough drugs to stay high enough to go get some more money, to bring it back to the drug dealer, to get some more drugs, to go out and stay high enough to do the job, the I'll call it a job that they're doing to get that money to bring back to that drug dealer. That drug trafficker has now crossed the line into being a human trafficker as well. Um, so, so there's a lot of gray area in it as well. Well, you know, when you bring up drugs, it is so much easier to sell a body, to sell a person than it is to sell drugs with drugs. You sell it. If it's in your possession, you get arrested. It's an easier crime to convict. And the other thing, too, is when you sell a drug, you have to go and get more drugs to sell. If you have a victim, a, a slave, you're making that money over and over and over again until you and we're not talking about just one person either. We're talking about a lot of these traffickers, from what I understand, have multiple women or at least a few. And they're always grooming. Now, one thing I do want to talk about with Shane and with you is the grooming, this online grooming. We talk about you know, the, the confused, the, the damaged, uh, children who are getting groomed online, but let's talk about, okay. Uh, I have an argument with my daughter upstairs. She goes online. She's on Snapchat. Um, what type of people should I be looking for and what are their tactics? Cause one thing I've learned, uh, I've been in law enforcement for 20 something years now is that these traffickers are, are master manipulators. They are some of the best interrogators out there, the best interviewers. And if they work for the CIA, they'd be getting like some of the best spies in their, in their coven. So let's talk about these grooming methods. Yeah. I just want to bring up one thing too, that you guys, you had mentioned Jason, when you had said uh, compared a little bit of trafficking to drug dealing, you know, in, in a sense it's, it's, they're the same in the sense that, you know, they have to replace victims, right? So certain victims come in and they move out and that's where deliver fund comes in. And that's why we have the methodology and approach that we have about eliminating the trafficker, because without the trafficker, you have no victim. So you don't have to go and replace that, that product. So I just kind of wanted to bring that up just as, as a caveat in there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I totally agree with, you know, what, what you're saying and, and, um, you know, how, how that all comes about, but I'll, I'll let Sandy, if you want to take this one, Sandy, go ahead. And then I'll add my two cents in, in a little bit. Yeah. So some of the ways that traffickers might start to try to groom a child online, is they're going to look for that gap. They're going to look for that vulnerability and then they're going to fill that gap. So if the kid is lonely, it's really easy to just be a friend or a shoulder to cry on or an ear to listen, right? That's, that's how easy it is. And imagine a 12 or 13-year-old kid who's going on the internet saying, I'm lonely. I wish I had friends. I wish I had somebody to hang out with. That's an open invitation for a trafficker to be, become that kid's friend. Um, maybe um, I can't believe how unfair my parents are. They won't let me do such and such, or they won't let me go to this certain place, or they won't let me buy this thing or get this tattoo or, or wear the, these clothing, the, this piece of clothing. That's very easy for the trafficker to say, oh, that they're going to befriend the, the potential victim that they're targeting and give them every reason that they should trust the trafficker and distrust the parent. Well, your parents aren't fair. Your parents aren't cool. Your parents are stupid, lazy, whatever they want to plant in the child's head that the parent is. And then that that makes a, a space for the trafficker to fill. Um, if it's a, an actual product that the kid wants, the trafficker has no problem spending some money to groom the, the product that they're going to be putting out on the marketplace. 
So if it's a Louis Vuitton purse, the trafficker will get the, the young girl a Louis Vuitton purse. If it's a young boy that wants the newest Xbox and the trafficker has met them on a gaming system, that would be a really great gift for that kid, right? So those are some signs that a parent might look for is if if their child starts having expensive gifts or have has new makeup, got their nails and hair done. How did they how did they get those clothes? How did they get their hair done? How did they get their nails done? And if it's an older friend or somebody they met online, that's a good place to start asking some deeper questions. So when you think about the grooming process that a trafficker is going to go through to bring the potential product to the marketplace, and, and I hate to use those kinds of terms, but you're thinking like a bad guy, right? You're thinking like a criminal who's willing to put a price tag on a kid. So they, they don't think like we do, but they it is a business move. So if they're going to take a raw product and turn it into something that's marketable, investing in some hair and makeup isn't a bad business move, is it? Getting the nails done, buying some sexy clothes, you know, it would be really easy for a trafficker to do if a young girl said she just wished she was pretty or attractive, just get her some cute, sexy clothes, take some photos and put her online and show her how many men think that she's attractive. Show her how much traction she got in a short period of time wearing a low cut shirt or a mini skirt and, and put her out there in her lingerie or whatever to uh, to get that feedback from the public and every like, every comment is going to fuel that fire for that trafficker and make it easier to tra transition the victim from grooming into to the action of actually being put out there and being trafficked. Important to note, though, because we're talking, I, I'm sure that your audience is full of law enforcement and others that have served our nation. I just want to say thank you uh, to, to your listeners as well for their service. But um, if you're if you're talking about building a case about trafficking, the intent to traffic a child is trafficking. So the grooming process is enough uh, to get a trafficking charge. There doesn't have to be an actual act. The intent to traffic a child is going to be a crime in itself. Um, so I think that's important to note. But the grooming tactics and the, the grooming procedures that a trafficker is going to take, they're going to specialize them for the individual that they're targeting. And it's going to be, they're going to be thinking about their next move. They're going to be thinking about how, what they're doing, what they're telling this potential trafficking victim is going to get them from a place of resistance to a place of acceptance so that they will do the act Turn over the money, no questions asked, and low to no resistance. I, it's like a big game to them. It's like this big puzzle, and they put it together, and then when their puzzle's over with, they have that victim, and now that victim is like a slave to them, if that makes sense. It's like they put all these, like, okay, I'm going to groom them. I'm going to give them, you know, it's like they have this whole thing down pat, where they, and they could tell exactly what they're doing. It's crazy. And one Machine. thing, one yeah. thing Jason, I want to mention that uh, with everything that Sandy had covered is the duration, right? It's not a week or two that these traffickers will spend to try to recruit the these uh, victims. They will spend months, months upon months upon months, you know, communicating, whether it be a text message, a game council, whatever the case may be. They will put in the time to make that business decision and get that product uh, into their harem and out on the street. And that's why, again, as we come full circle a little bit, it's paramount that we as parents have those conversations with our children. Because like I said, it's not, they're just not going to swoop in, you know, hit a couple messages and then swoop out. These guys, like you said, they're very crafty. They're very smart. It's a business and they will take the time to have those conversations and change the mind of that adolescent as they go along. Now, numbers wise, when you, let's say you're, you're using deliver fund resources, you work with law enforcement and you get a, a trafficker's phone or their, their electronic device, whether it be the gaming system or whatnot, how many, how many women are, or how many children are they playing at one time? Like trying to groom. It, you know, it's all relative. 
I couldn't I couldn't put an exact number on that, Jason, to say it's five, it's mm-hmm. six, it's seven. Each one's different. Each one's going to have many different tentacles out there trying to recruit. I mean, you know, th- th- I think that's one of the things that we're trying to get across here as well. And this is a perfect platform to do it is this is a business to them. They are making money. That's all this is. That's all it is. They don't care about the kids, the, you know, the, the, the boys, the girls, the men, the women. They don't care. It's a business. And all they want to do is make money. So putting these individuals in that kind of jeopardy, it does not matter uh, to them other than what the ultimate mighty dollar is. So they can have multiple, multiple conversations going on at one point in time. I mean, we have seen on different operations throughout the country that we do that these, you know, these traffickers have control of the phones of their victims and they'll have four or five different uh, victims in, in different locations and they're controlling all the dates for all of them. So, you know, you can use that as a relative sense. And if they're doing that for the actual victims that they have right now, um, I would say they're probably more than doubling that with recruiting and trying to, you know, get those hooks into uh, new new individuals. And, and if I can add to, to what Shane has said to kind of quantify, because you asked for numbers, right? So if a tr- um, I was talking with an HSI agent who was working a child trafficking case. And he said the sheer volume of interaction that these traffickers have with their potential victims is staggering. Like if he pulled the phone records from your phone, Jason, you're married, right? So you're talking back and forth to your wife through a text message thread. Do you sometimes have to delete that thread because it fills up your phone with so many texts and pictures and stuff. So you have to to delete it to save memory on your phone, right? You and your wife might have, I don't know, 40, 50,000 contact points, which seems like a lot because you're texting back and forth about who's going to pick the kids up from this place and take them to that place. And did you pick up dinner? And what about my dry cleaning and blah, 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 right? Back and forth all day, every day. But a trafficker that's trying to groom a kid, 150,000, 100 and 250,000 contact points would be a starting point for them. So imagine you're a 12-year-old, you're a 13-year-old. You don't know how to navigate the world. You don't know how to navigate your own emotions. You're going through puberty. You're having low self-esteem. You're having all these doubts about your place in the world. You haven't even figured out who you really are. And here comes somebody giving you new information, training your brain to think a certain way. And communicating on a volume level that's three to four times what a healthy relationship communication would be. There's no way for that that child to navigate that situation. There's no way for them to to not be overwhelmed by that. So these are the these are the kind of things that we can talk to our kids about. We can say, if these situations get out of control, if you start a, a conversation with somebody and and it goes off the rails, come and tell me about it. I, I might be able to help you navigate that. Um, you can you can trust me. I'm, I have your best interest in mind. Like I want to help you in these situations. So that those might be some helpful ways to, to equip parents to talk to their kids. Yeah, I do want to get into resources definitely later on in the conversation because I want people to understand, hey, you know what, where do we go to find out more and where do we go to get help? Um, but one thing that really caught me on by surprise is I was interviewing one of your staff. It might have been Shane, but where this trafficking is happening, you know, it's not just the sleazy hotel. It's not the back rooms. It's not someone's attic with mattresses putting on the ground. Well, that does happen. But where, Shane, this is for you, is where is this happening? Everywhere, everywhere USA, as I like to say, in every city, in every community. Um, across our country. As you had mentioned, we have anywhere from 100 to 150,000 victims of human trafficking in the country at at any given moment. And I want to reemphasize again, because I think one of the biggest myths um, out there is that these are all foreign victims brought in from, you know, overseas or Mexico. That is not the case. These are U.S. citizens being trafficked by U.S. citizens. And it happens in every state, in every city across the country. I mean, we have obviously your your bigger municipalities. Um, they have a larger problem just because of the population. And you're going to have pimps and victims that are in those locations semi-permanently. 
but you know, the heartland of the United States and your surrounding smaller, I mean, what is it? 80 to 90% is, is rural America. Right. And that's when these, these guys and gals will say you have a state fair or you have a Spartan race or you have something like that within your state. That's where these guys, these, these traffickers will move their victims in for, you know, the duration of whatever that uh, event is. And then they'll move them back out and move them on to the next. So it's very migratory um, in their action. But like I said, it touches every city in every state of the United States. Yeah, that surprised me. We always hear about the Super Bowl, um, yeah. but I wrote an article about the Super Bowl one year, and then I picked up a police report about a trafficker, and he wasn't just going to the Super Bowl. He had his whole – he planned on bringing that tra- – These he had three of them, three trafficking victims, to the Super Bowl, then across the country to another main event, and this is – it's like a circuit. Yep. Um, I talked to one of my yeah. friends tonight, and, and he brought um, – He's a, a police officer down in Austin, and he, he was talking about that, encountering, I think it was a 15-year-old girl, and she came from out of state. And that's what they're doing there. It's, it's a transitory, migratory-type activity as well. Let's touch on that. Yeah, so uh, we did the Super Bowl in Tampa this year, and then we went back for WrestleMania as well. And and your story that your your friend in Austin told you highlights perfectly with you know, what we had, we had a trafficker that brought his 17-year-old victim in at the time. He had all of the identification, her cell phone, he had everything. But what he was doing, and, and we're seeing this more and more, is he had multiple fake IDs in her name and his name. And so that's what they were using. That's what they were using to travel around the country. But the great thing that worked out that I want to highlight with this was, is we got that 17-year-old victim in, um, law enforcement made contact, figured out what was going on, provided her victim services were there, provided her the services that they needed. Uh, but working back on the trafficker, we were able to, or law enforcement was able to apprehend him in a, uh, after he dropped her off, he went to a local mall. They picked him up there. But what we didn't know at the time and what Deliver Fund and what we were able to do with the system that we use that Uh, is a deconfliction system, if you will, that can connect law enforcement throughout the country, is we were able to see that this individual was from Houston, Texas. So we have, Deliver Fund has a uh, analyst embedded within the Houston Police Department, the Houston HITRA. So I reached out directly to him and passed the information on. They had open investigations into the trafficker and the victim, but they had known them by their fake IDs. So they had identified them by their fake ID. So by identifying them at WrestleMania in Tampa, and then quickly forwarding that information, uh, Houston was able to then collaborate with with, uh, Tampa, and they actually took the case federal. So now it's a federal case. But that worked. That happened within about, I would say, five minutes of us identifying who this individual was and, and where he was out of to be in contact with Houston PD and them working on the back end and then connecting with Tampa. So, I mean, that, that took about five minutes, but that just shows the power and what needs to happen with law enforcement across the country. We have to talk, we have to share information. We cannot be siloed off anymore. You are not going to fight and, and, you know, come out on the winning side, if you will, of human trafficking. If you try to do everything within your own jurisdiction and do not reach out and and work with other law enforcement and other NGOs, it's just not going to happen. They are playing on a different playing field and we need to match that playing field. When you're coming from a narcotics uh, background myself, uh, without clearing houses, without that cross, you know, pollination between nothing's going to happen. You know, and when it comes to the drug world, these drug dealers and everything have been doing this for 40, 50 years or they're masters at it. It's the same way with the trafficking world. It's not a new venture. These traffickers have been doing this. They've been groomed into it, the traffickers themselves, Mm -hmm. and they know exactly what they're doing. Now, when you bring up uh, being proactive, that is key. It's absolutely key. And I want to bring up the other thing about the liver fund is being embedded with police, not out in the street, not vigilanteism. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I do want to really mm-hmm. cut, touch on that is it's very bothersome coming from the law enforcement area. I know a vigilante group out there could, and they may have the best intentions. They may just be like someone, Hey, trying to help someone out, but 
you're going to screw up a prosecution. You're going to mm -hmm. sometimes make it even worse for that victim. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about these the splinter groups out there. And you don't have to name names, but just what is the what's the detriment of being a Yeah. So I've been in this space and I call it the justice movement, what we're doing, the anti-trafficking world since 09. And I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. And there's a lot of ugly out there. There's a lot of really good people that are um, maybe have good intentions and they just don't know what they're doing. And they make a mess for everybody. And sometimes, unfortunately, we have to clean up those messes and it makes it harder for us to do the good work that we're doing when, um, when that is happening. And another issue that's kind of related to that we might talk about later are the conspiracy theories that come out. That's another stumbling block that we have to overcome just to do our day-to-day -day work here at Deliver Fund. Um, but I think that the harm that happens with the vigilante groups is is a lot deeper even than possibly impacting that negatively impacting that investigation or making things more difficult for that particular survivor. Um, but they're just making it they're giving complications where complications don't need to be for the legitimate law enforcement agents that are out there, for organizations. I can't say organizations like Deliver Fund because in all of my research and all of my work, I haven't found another organization that, that has the technology, that's building the technology to solve the problem. Um, but when we're on the operations, when we're, do, when we're partnering with the law enforcement, when we're invited in to those operations, we're invited to collaborate with law enforcement, um, we hear, their frustrations and we hear about the pain that they've experienced with some of these other organizations. And it makes our job twice as difficult <laughs> to overcome the damage that the other organizations have done and then still come in and, and perform as highly and effectively as we do. And, and as of today, with the reports that we've received from law enforcement, from our partnerships that, that we've been working with uh, from coast to coast, for several years, we have 100% effectiveness. Every time we have partnered with law enforcement to carry a case, it has went to conviction or a plea bargain. So we haven't received reports of any, uh, any operations that didn't end up in success. And in victims being recovered, having an opportunity for freedom. The, the, the potential victims who are being groomed now have an opportunity for freedom as well, but the trafficker is held accountable. And that is a game changer for a victim of human trafficking. I was trafficked by more people than I can count and not a single one of them were held accountable. I have no justice for any of the, the crimes that were committed against me, but I can vicariously find justice every time Deliver Fund crushes evil and puts another trafficker behind bars or partners with law enforcement to put another trafficker behind bars. So we're, we're well into the triple digits of success stories of traffickers that have been convicted or, or plea bargained and are now behind bars. And that is the difference the, the, the success is the proof of our model and, um, and the others that are out there, while they might have good intentions, they just don't have the, the technology or the skills um, or the training to really do the work. We work exclusively with former law enforcement, with former military, with people who really understand what counter human trafficking should look like, and then bringing survivors in through the Thrivers program that I'm helping to, to develop here at Deliver Fund. We're able to really inform an investigation from that insider information, that lived experience, and that's a game changer as well. So, um, so it's really hard to compare because we're completely different animals. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad you bring up victims. I'm glad you bring up victims to survivors. And I like this concept of thrivers. I don't know too much about it yet, but I do want to know more about that. I want to know what is a next step. We talk a lot about what we see traffickers. We talk a lot about what's happening to these victims, but what's the next step? 
how do we get them out of their life and how do we help them move on to become thrivers so they're not just, you know, completely broken and, and they can't move on? Well, I think a misconception about trafficking victims is that um, they're broken. To survive what we've lived through and just to survive every day, it takes a strong person. And, and the other survivor sisters and brothers that I've made all over the world since I, since I started sharing my story, the community is incredible, incredibly resilient, incredibly um, resourceful, incredibly intelligent, many survivors that I've encountered. And um, the, the thing that's prevented them from being the person that they were created to be has been that a crime was committed against them. So sometimes just removing them from that criminal environment, that uh, that is a huge step in the right direction. Um, today, there are so many organizations out there that are offering services for victims and survivors of human trafficking. None of that existed 17 years ago when I came out. Um, and I thank God that I found the path to healing that I found. But there were no shortcuts for me. There were no people willing to help. Um, and it was it was difficult. But um, I think that because there are so many there's so much awareness today and there are such um, there's so many organizations out there helping survivors to um, find healing and to to become established and um, work out, walk out that pathway to freedom and being um, established in, the, in society. Uh, really, a next step after that stabilization, maybe five years or so into their healing journey, a survivor could be considered for our program here, the department that I'm, I'm building at Deliver Fund, the Thrivers Department. And um, some of the things that we offer the survivors um, that want to step up onto the next level are some technology tools and solutions. Some of the things that we provide the, the um, survivors are some help with some mental health care or some help with developing a business or some help with what, what is it that they want to add to the world that got robbed from them through the act of human trafficking and how can we maybe shortcut them since they had so much taken Right. So we're going to we're going to use the network that we have. We're going to use the resources that we have and provide those to survivors so that they can step up on that platform and become thrivers. Now, not every single one of them is going to want to share their story. Not every single one of them is going to want to train law enforcement. Not every single one of them is going to want to write a book. But whatever it is in their heart, whatever their dream that got stolen we're going to start speaking life over that. We're going to partner with them to, to make that dream into a reality. And we're going to walk with them along that pathway every step of the way. Um, so in that, maybe the maybe that survivor does want to work with us to inform law enforcement or to develop a training for medical professionals or um, to help people to see the reality of what human trafficking is with that inside lens. And so uh, we, we have a lot of opportunities for that kind of collaboration as we're developing the curriculum for, for training service providers or medical professionals or colleges. Um, so those opportunities do exist for survivors, um, but the Deliver Fund Thrivers program is, is the next step after stabilization and, and after a, a life of freedom has been settled into. <laughs> exactly. A life of freedom because it, it truly is slavery. Now, me, I'm in law enforcement, but I'm not in that realm of law enforcement anymore. I'm basically a citizen when it comes to this stuff. Now, Shane, out there, a lot of people want to help. They want to help. They don't know where to go. And this could be, and it's not just regular everyday people with nine to five jobs people in the healthcare industry, people in every type of industry looking for signs, looking for ways to help. What can they do to help? You know, the, the thing that I say the most is if you're wanting and willing to help, go to uh, our Deliver Fund webpage and donate because your donation goes directly to um, 
fighting human trafficking. Okay, it, your your twenty dollars, your five dollars, your ten dollars, whatever the case may be, goes directly into the fight. Um, you know, that could be the five, ten dollars. That could be what it what it costs us to identify a burner phone of a trafficker, and now we know the identity of that trafficker, and that was due and thanks to that individual that donated five bucks. So, um, you know, it doesn't always have to be a big donation, but, you know, anything that that you can do um, is perfect. And then I think, you know, another thing that that I like to bring up and talk about is spread awareness. Right. Talk to your legislators, talk to your city councilors, talk to your mayors, talk to, you know, individuals that have some influence politically within your community to make sure that human trafficking is is a subject that is being highlighted, that there is actually a budget line item for law enforcement to combat human trafficking because you know we have seen time and time again politicians give up and give lip service to human trafficking and it's and it's a huge you know it's a great uh, pat on the back and you know everybody's happy and then they walk away but there's actually no money or, or anything behind it to actually combat and fight the problem so that's where as you know everyday citizens that's where we need to be engaged with our you know, like I said, our mayors, our local councils, our, you know, our representatives to see exactly what they are doing and what what the budget line item is for human trafficking. Uh, you know what? I'm so glad you brought that up because that is exactly. Listen, not everybody could donate money. We know that you could like, you could share, you could do other things when it comes to that, to raise awareness. But you could go to your city council and you could say, what are we doing in our neighborhood? You can contact your local PD and say, hey, you know what? Do we have a victim's outreach here? What are we doing for trafficking in my neighborhood? And if they say it's not happening here, they're lying. Yeah. Because it's I guarantee it's happening in 99 they're, not, they're, they're not being truthful with that. And then they're not getting the budget that they need to actually train them. So the, mm -hmm. the law enforcement officer that you're probably asking within those you know smaller communities and even the larger communities, um, I've worked with many municipalities across the country that are, you know, your large municipalities that you would think are on the cutting edge of technology mm -hmm. when it comes to combating this issue. And it's the exact opposite. They don't have the technology, they don't have the manpower, and they don't have the resources to do it. So that is exactly those conversations that need to happen to make sure that that money is being allocated towards law enforcement for this fight. Because unfortunately, with the defund the police movement, what are the first special yeah. programs to go it's it's your human trafficking it's your sex it's your drugs those are the first programs to be pulled and mm -hmm. so what we actually need to do is we actually need to re-up the funding for law enforcement mm -hmm. and make sure that these municipalities across the country have what they need and the resources that they need to actually combat the job no, absolutely. And start at the grassroots. I guarantee if you call up your congressman, there's going to be a staffer there. A lot of yeah. people don't realize you don't need to necessarily talk to the actual congressperson. But if you want to set up a schedule and say, hey, you know what? I want to come in and talk. The other thing, too, it's a lot better to call and call and call. Yeah. And then what mm -hmm. you do is you write, you write, you write. And then you yeah. email, you email, you email. It's got to be a continuous thing. Yeah. If it takes five minutes out of your day, 10 minutes out of your week. But if you keep getting that barrage, you're going to get exactly what you're saying, a line item. And a lot of mm -hmm. people don't realize that everybody's fighting for those line items. Mm -hmm. It could be, mm -hmm. hey, you know what? I want to study the cicadas for, yeah. you know, two years for the next 17 years and they get $20 million or something like that. But if you're not getting awareness to your politicians, to your representatives and to your community, you're not going to be able to do anything about it. But look at it. Look at it from this perspective too, Jason, is we have alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, right? We have all of these law enforcement entities that are, you know, that is their task is to go after, you know, 90% of drugs are legal commodities. Same thing with guns, same, you know, and yet the government and we as a country have designated that these agencies, we want them to go after and, you know, modify and oversee uh, these entities that 90% of what they're overlooking and seeing is a legal commodity, right? We have no federal agency that takes a lead on human trafficking. There's not a human trafficking task force, you know, or an ATF, if you will, that that does nothing but human trafficking. But I do want to, I do want to say something right now. And the reason you need that is because if you have an ATF 
a DEA, they have a charter. That is their mission. They yeah. can't get pulled off and all of a sudden go off and have to do something else. Homeland Security Investigations has a ton of people working task forces. Yeah. So does the FBI. But when something happens, they're pulled off those task forces to work on that. That is mm -hmm. the, why you would need a completely separate agency that does justice without that bureaucracy, without those 17 layers. Okay, tomorrow I want I want 20 of my high-speed people to go out and, and take care of an organization. Oh, but there's something going on over here. Nope, that's what they're doing. And that's mm -hmm. what a lot of people don't realize is task forces are great. I've been on them a lot over my career, but you can get pulled off them to mm -hmm. go work whatever, protection mm -hmm. details, or, or you can pull yeah. off a, a border surge or anything else. So you have to have dedicated resources. And I love to see it where you have not just that, but in there, you integrate uh, trafficking victim, not just a, a, a task forces or anything falling under just the DOJ, but have a, a complete organization that does it. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we can create a space force overnight, we could do this. <laughs> and, and the Deliver Fund will be happy to stand shoulder to shoulder mm -hmm. with them and, and continue on the mission. But that's, be, that's what needs to happen. I'll be happy to transfer. Absolutely. Well, we don't have that much time anymore uh, left for tonight. I'd love to have you guys back on and uh, talk about it. But what would you like to end with? What would you like well, to touch on? I, I always want to end with a message of hope. Um, you know, my, my core message is hope. I, I hope that people were inspired to hear that I went through an extremely difficult situation. My, my experience was anything but normal. But today I'm living a full life. I am thriving my my job at Deliver Fund is an incredible opportunity, and um, I'm just so blessed to be here. And um, I also want to educate. So I really hope that people were able to learn uh, some tools, maybe, or some um, some ways that traffickers are targeting kids and some of the vulnerabilities that might be exploited. Um, but I really do hope that you were empowered with this presentation and. Go to our website, deliverfund.org. We have tons of information. You can search our blogs. You can search through our videos on YouTube. You can be with us on social media. And we are sharing accurate, vetted information so that, that we can cut through all the conspiracy theories and all of the noise that distracts and give people the truth about trafficking so they know how to protect their kids. They know how to be a part of the fight. And if they want to partner with us, that's wonderful, too. Um, so we're not going to we're not going to fight our way out of this. We're not going to arrest our way out of this. We have to change our society to a, a society where buying and selling human beings is no longer acceptable, where it is no longer appropriate for our children to be in a, a world where bodies are rented and sold. And so we, the, the people who are watching this presentation, are part of the solution. We get to change the world that we live in by saying no to the culture of pornography, by saying no to the culture of the, the industry of commercial sexual exploitation, and by equipping our children to know how to, to protect themselves and, and how to come and ask for help. That is a huge step in changing the way this world operates that would allow human trafficking to prol proliferate. Um, so I really, really pray that your your viewers were inspired, educated, and empowered, and filled with hope. Thank you, Sandy. And I just want to, Sandy delivers hope, and she's always <laughs> great to deliver hope. I'm going to deliver a little uh, raw reality, and that is that if you have watched this podcast or any other podcast that we have done, you now cannot turn your head to what is going on within your community. You, um, you know, you have a call to action. Your call to action is is within your own heart and depending on what you're going to do with that. But educate your friends, educate your community and spread the word because this is happening in every community throughout the United States at some degree. I have worked operations from the East Coast to the West Coast, North to South. 
and it affects every community in between. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, my my message is is one of a call to action to people that have heard this and to spread this message is that, you know, this is a binary issue. You no longer can stick your head in the sand and say that you did not know about it or that you didn't know it was an issue because now you do. And I just implore you to do something about it, whatever that may be, spreading education, calling your your, uh, you know, local council or government and uh, being proactive. Absolutely. Be proactive. You know, that we're just scratching the surface. This is the first of what I hope to be many discussions about trafficking. And we can really laser focus in on certain areas of the country, certain things to look for, exactly more focused on the problem at hand. So if anybody out there has any questions they would like for a further on show or any follow-up questions to this one, feel free to drop them below. And also, thank you everybody for tuning in tonight. And I look forward to really sharing more of this message with the members of Deliver Fund.